Right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. We have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable of any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensamples to you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should they eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with the quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, bless the reading of thy word. I pray that God you give us ears to hear and hearts to listen. And may we receive with meekness the engrafted word. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach on this subject on how an orderly member should treat a disorderly member. How an orderly church member should treat a disorderly church member. Paul in this final chapter of this epistle that he is writing to the church of Thessalonica. Uh, there are several things that you can see on the outset of this message that, it, that he lays out in this text here. First of all, we see Paul's request in verse 1 and 2. He said, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So Paul's uh, final request uh, here in these two verses, one uh, was concerning his preaching and that the word of the Lord would have free course. Paul had a desire that wherever he went that the word of God would triumph and would prevail in the hearts of men. And we know that the word of God will prevail uh, ultimately, but God wanted, or Paul wanted the word of God to go forth and to get a hold of men's hearts. And he said, so, so he said, church, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. And I think that's something we should still pray today uh, in our churches. When the man of God gets up to preach, we ought to pray for the preacher and we ought to pray that God would touch him and touch his lips and touch his mind and his thought and take, touch the word of God as it goes 
goes forth in the hearts of men. That's a good prayer to pray. And so Paul's request was for his preaching. And then it was for his protection. Look at verse number 2. That we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So Paul has been enduring persecution. He's no stranger to that. And Paul realizes that there is dangers in the ministry. That by taking a stand for Christ and preaching the gospel and being identified as a Christian, that he would face more adversity, that he would face more persecution. And he, so he asked this church to pray for his preaching and to pray for his uh, uh, protection. And I think we ought to pray that for men of God. The devil uh, has a target, no doubt, on them and a target on church members as well. But we ought to pray for the protection of God's men as they stand in the pulpit, as they pro- proclaim the Word of God. We ought to pray that God will keep them safe, keep them clean, keep them pure, and pray that God will keep their family safe and, and, and put a hedge around them and around their home and their family. I think preachers are more under attack now than they ever have been. The devil has turned an, all, an onslaught attack against every man of God, trying to do all that he can to discourage and to uh, try to uh, get them to deviate. And so we need to pray for men of God. And Paul is asking this church to pray for him. And I think that's important. We see Paul's request. Then we see Paul's reassurance in, in verse number 3 down to verse number 5. Paul wants to reassure this church concerning some things. First of all, he reassures them concerning the faithfulness of God. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And he reminds them that through it all, no matter what you face, no matter what you go through in life, the Lord is going to be faithful. And so he talks about the faithfulness of God. He reminds them, remember, they're going through persecution also. So it's important that they remember and be reassured that God is going to be faithful. And I'll stop and say this. God was faithful to them, and God has been faithful to us, and God will continue to be faithful to us. We, we need not forget the faithfulness of God, that we didn't get where we're at by ourselves, but God has seen us say, thus far. And so he reassures them concerning the faithfulness of God. And he reassures them concerning the loyalty of the church. He said in verse number 4, And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we commanded you. So in other words, Paul encourages them that we have confidence in the Lord that He's going to be faithful, but we also have confidence in you as a church that you're going to be faithful, that you're going to do the things that we have commanded you to do. Isn't that interesting that Paul uses the word command there? He uses it again in verse number 6 and other places throughout these two epistles that he wrote to this church. He uses the word command. Uh, Paul was not afraid to take command. Paul was not afraid to give give commands. You know, we're living in a time when a lot of people, uh, they may go to church, but they don't want the preacher to command them to do anything. They don't want the preacher to tell them how to live or tell them what to do. Paul made no bones about it. Uh, he, was the, uh, he was the more veteran. He was the more uh, mature saint. And these young believers, uh, he gave them direct commands. And I thank God for that. I'm glad that the Lord let me sit under some preachers that, that would command. They, they took command and they gave command. And that's leadership. And Paul, uh, he, he encourages them. And in this same text here, this same verse, 
Where Paul uses the word command, he also uses the word confidence. He encourages this church and reassures them that he has confidence in them uh, because of their uh, faithfulness. And then uh, we notice he reassures them concerning the leadership of the Lord in verse number 5. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience waiting for Christ. He gives them this reassurance that God is going to direct them. Them, that God is going to lead them in their Christian life, in their Christian growth. And I'm thankful for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that we have a Father that loves us. I'm thankful that we have a, spirit, uh, have a Son, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, that we have the Son who died for us. And then we have the Spirit of God that leads us and directs us uh, through this life. And so uh, Paul gives them this reassurance, this request. We see Paul's uh, also his rebuke in verse number 6. I want you to notice here that uh, Paul says, Now we, commanded you, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which, we, which he received of us. So Paul here is talking about those that walk disorderly. And I'm going to be preaching, uh, that is the, the, the thought for our message today, is that we're preaching on how should an orderly member treat a disorderly member. You know, I think that's important today because every pastor, uh, I'm sure every pastor that listens to this message or, or views this message would say amen to this. Every pastor has had more than his share of disorderly members. Now, some people are disorderly because they're not saved. They just need a good, good old-fashioned dose of salvation. Others are disorderly because uh, they've gotten out of the will of God or they've let something get in their life, maybe pride or something, stubbornness, and because of that they, uh, they rebel. But whatever the reason, whether it be sin or whether it need that they, they need to be saved, whatever the reason is, uh, sometimes we have to pastor disorderly members. And I'll tell you, a pastor knows how to, if he's a man of God, he'll know how to deal with a disorderly church member. But here's the, here's the driving point of this message today, is how do other members deal with disorderly church members? Because I'm going to tell you, nothing would discourage a pastor anymore than to see uh, orderly members uh, not, tr- not, not dealing with that disorderly member in the proper way. I've seen that many times as a pastor and, in my church and even in other churches. <clears throat> whenever people do wrong, when they rebel, when they walk disorderly and you discipline them or you deal with them or they just leave because uh, they're not happy or they're not satisfied or they've caused some kind of trouble and leave the church. I think one of those painful things for a pastor to see is to watch other members in the church uh, uh, reach out to that person and treat that person as if they've not done anything or to uh, still be uh, uh, just still just treat them as if if there's no sin there I think that almost comes across to most pastors as betrayal and so Paul is dealing with that problem here in chapter number three and uh, he he talks to the church of Thessalonica and he tells them that there's you've got to deal with the disorderly in a proper way you that are still uh, obeying the apostles' command. Those of you that are still following the commands of his preaching and his teaching, those of you that are walking orderly have got to treat those that are disorderly properly. In other words, if Paul lays out how to deal with them, they're to carry it out. And so that's how it should be in our churches today as well. And so Paul is going to rebuke three disorderly church members in 
in this text here. He's going to rebuke, first of all, the lazy in verses 6 through 10 as he talks about... In verse 7, uh, he says, uh, uh, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable of any of you, not because we have power, but to make ourselves an example to you uh, uh, to follow us. For even uh, when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So Paul's going to deal with three disorderly church members, and the first one he deals with here is the lazy. And Paul said, there are those that won't work. And Paul said, when we was amongst you, uh, Paul said, we were not freeloaders. We didn't come in and expect a free ride. He said, we were good examples. We worked, and and we and Paul was a man that he would take hospitality. He, he was not going to refuse that, but yet uh, Paul made his own way. He was a, a tent maker. Paul was a worker. Uh, Paul was not ashamed to or afraid to get busy and to do work, but yet there were some, some that was walking disorderly. They were putting the burden on other people and not fully pulling their load and fulfilling their responsibility. And Paul said, if they're going to be lazy, he said, then if they won't work, then they don't need to eat. And can I tell you, we still deal with lazy people today. This is the laziest generation that you and I have ever seen. And uh, we're living in a time when people uh, want everything for nothing and they don't want to earn their way. Or, or earn their keep in life and they want somebody else to uh, pick up the tab and somebody else to pay the bill or somebody else to make up the difference or pull up the slack. And Paul said uh, that that's disorderly and he's going to deal with how uh, you ought to treat those people. But he deals with the, the lazy, disorderly church member. And then in verse number 11 and verse number 13, he's going to deal with the, with the, uh, the gossiper. As he said in verse 11, for we hear that there are some which walk walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now here are some, he said, that, uh, that they're, just, they're just gossipers. They're into people's business. They're, they're busybodies. And I don't think anybody appreciates a busybody. I don't think anybody uh, wants to be connected with a busybody unless they also are a busybody. Uh, listen, gossipers today, uh, oftentimes that's what they want to do. They want to get in everybody's business. They, they want to get the latest gossip of what is going on. I think that social media has greatly destroyed that today as we've mentioned before because now everybody knows everybody's business or everybody thinks they should know everybody's business and Paul said that's disorderly conduct whenever someone starts sticking their nose in other people's business. You know, don't be a church member that uh, people uh, when they see you coming they get tight-lipped because they know that you uh, tell everything that you know. Don't be an investor in the church. In other words, when something's happening and something's going on, don't you take it upon yourself to find out what's the, the, what's the latest and what's happening. And don't when you do know something, uh, the Bible talks about he that's of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Learn to just be faithful in your spirit and conceal and not carry that on to someone else. Don't tell uh, someone else what you know about uh, uh, what you've heard. I think, I think that that's a, a poor testimony of a church member when they're known to have a long tongue. Boy, there's a lot of people in our churches today. They're known for that. 
They've got that type of testimony. They're always trying to find out the latest on someone. And Paul said they're busybodies. And, and Paul mentions, the he rebukes the gossipers. He rebukes the lazy. And then he rebukes the disobedient. Look at verse number 14. He said, And if any man, among, uh, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, no, he said, Note that man and have no company with him, that he may be... a that he may be ashamed. So Paul is going to deal with uh, those that, uh, that are disobedient, those that just refuse to follow, those that just refuse to, to go uh, uh, by the word of the man of God. Look what he said, If any man obey not our word by this epistle. In other words, there are some that said, I don't care what Paul says. There are some that said, I don't care what the preacher says. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to, that's disorderly, friend. Whenever the man of God preaches a message and, and it may hit you and you, you may, or he makes a decision and maybe you don't like that decision or you don't like that sermon, you're still getting in line. And you're to get in line with the good spirit. And you're to follow your preacher. You're to follow your pastor. He's to be the leader. He's the one that's in charge. Not, not some deacon. Not some Sunday school teacher. Not some uh, rich person in the church. That, that's disorderly. But there are those that they think they don't have to listen. I'll tell you something. To not listen to the man of God is dangerous. And to go against the man of God is deadly, friend. And if you're here and, you, and you're listening and you say, well, I, I'm just not going to do what the man of God says, you're disorderly. And if you know that someone is a rebel in the church, then the Bible tells us here how we're to treat those rebels in the church, those that walk disorderly, those that cause problems and trouble in the church. So Paul gives a rebuke. Paul gives his remarks in verse number 16, 17, and 18. He talks about the apostle's heart here in verse 16. Now, the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you. And then we see uh, the, the apostle's hand, as he said, the salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is a token in every epistle. So I write. And then his hope in verse Verse number 18 is that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That is the final remarks of the Apostle Paul. But in, intertwined in this, in this chapter here, Paul, uh, you, I want you to notice, he tells, how, tells orderly members how to deal with the disorderly members. And I want to stop by saying this. I can tell you how not to deal with them for certain before we, we look at the text. How you don't deal with them is you don't hang out with them. You don't overlook their sin, what they have done, the problem that they have caused in the church or maybe the trouble they have caused the man of God. You don't hang out with them. You don't overlook that. Um, you don't uh, befriend them. You don't, you listen, you don't go on social media and hit, their, uh, hit like on everything that they're doing when you know they're a rebel in the church. Uh, that's not how you treat somebody that's walking disorderly. You say, well, I'm just trying to be good to them. I'm just trying to, to love them. I'll tell you what you're doing. What you're doing is you are aiding them. You are helping them uh, feel okay about what they're doing. And in return, you're making things worse for your pastor. You're making things worse for your preacher's wife or you're making things worse for some other member in the church. That's not the way you treat a disorderly church member. You say, well, preacher, how do you treat a disorderly church member? The Bible tells us in this text. I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number 6, is that you separate from them. The Bible says here, Paul says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the traditions which he received. Notice this, of us. Paul says those church members that don't want to listen to the man of God, they don't want to go along with what the man of God has said and what he has preached, Paul said you withdraw yourself. 
you separate from them. That means that you don't. That means you don't go out to eat with them. That means you don't. Uh, that means, like I said before, you don't. You don't hit like on social media. That means you don't become their best friend. That means you don't hang out with them. You say, well, but I love them. Doesn't mean you can't love them. But listen, if they're going against the man of God, they're going against what God said. Paul said here, if they're going to go against the word that I've given you, he said, listen, you need to separate from them, withdraw yourself from them. You see that word disorderly, uh, it's mentioned several times in our text. And it means out of rank or unruly. You ever just seen an unruly church member? They just won't get with the program. They just won't get along, get with what the pastor is doing. It doesn't matter what he wants to do. It doesn't matter what he says. They're always, they've always got a different opinion. They've always got a different approach. And maybe they don't have the guts to go to him, but they'll go to others and, and very deceitfully, they'll, 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 they'll kindly suck up to other church members and, and, you know, just really try to be, uh, you know, just be very friendly and get on their good side. But in the midst of all of that, they're sowing seeds of discord because they do not like the the teaching, the preaching, or the decision-making of the man of God. That's disorderly. And the Bible is very clear in verse number 6 that you need to separate. That's how you deal with them. You separate from them. Secondly, you stay with the man of God. Look at verse number 7. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Don't let a disorderly church member cause you to think the pastor or those in leadership all of a sudden are walking disorderly. You say, well, preacher, how do you know the difference? Look at your pastor's conduct. Look at, look at his leadership. Is he not doing the same thing that he's always been doing? Is he not preaching the same message? You know, when people start walking disorderly, they'll start saying, well, the preacher is picking on me or the preacher is, is preaching at me. I, I tell our folks all the time, of course I'm preaching to you because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be preaching to you. But when people get disorderly, they get sensitive and they start, uh, they'll go to some church member and they'll play the victim role as if, as if the pastor is on a witch hunt against the now, I'm, not, I'm just preaching the text. I, I've not experienced that to its fullest. But down through the years of pastoring, uh, I have seen people come and do that. But it doesn't last very long in our church. And I promise you that, particularly because we have good members that, that support the pastor. They support the man of God. And uh, they know that that's not true. They know that, that, that that's uh, improper conduct, that it's disorderly. And an orderly church member will stay with the man of God. They'll stay true to their pastor. doesn't matter if it is your best friend. It doesn't matter if it is a family member. It doesn't matter if that person has been in the church for 25 years. If the pastor is still uh, preaching the Bible and staying in the book, then you stay with the man of God. You separate from them and you stay with the preacher and you let them know where you stand. And then you share with them the truth. Look at verse number 12. The Bible said, Now them that are such, we command and exhort by the, our Lord Jesus Christ that the quietness they work and eat uh, their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. He said, If any obey not our word in the epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. You need to mark those disorderly church members. The Bible said withdraw in one verse, verse number 6. But in this verse, the Bible says here that we are to share with them the truth. But then what we are to do, the Bible says, is we are to mark them. We are to, we are to know that that person is a troublemaker. That person is someone that is trying to sow discord. That person is, is going against the man of God. That person is, is trying to, to walk disorderly. If you're right with God, you say, well, preacher, I, I'm 
I'm not going to be what they are, but I'm just going to be a friend to them. Can I tell you something about that? If you lend an ear long enough to what they say, you'll you'll start believing what they say. You'll start questioning your pastor. You'll start questioning the motive, the preaching. You know why? Because you've listened to that disorderly church member. I'll say the way that you deal with them is that you separate from them. You stay with the man of God. You mark them. And then the Bible tells us here in verse number 15 that you love them. Yet count them not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You know, down through the years I've watched people leave the church. Not many, thank God. But I have seen uh, folks leave the church down through the years. And when they've left, it's always painful. It's always heart-wrenching when people leave. The fact is you cannot compromise the truth for anybody. And when people leave, you're always the bad guy. They're always the victim. That's just how it goes. And as they leave, you pray for them. And I've learned down through the years to just carry on and, and, uh, and just go on and serve God and put it in the Lord's hands because there's coming a day when we'll both have to give an account uh, for the situation. And I can stand here and I can say with a clear conscience that I can face God in judgment with every person that I've ever pastored that's ever left for any reason. I can stand and face God in judgment and know that I made the right decision, that I did the right thing. And even though it was painful, I thank God for the members that have stayed with me, that have treated that have treated me right. Sure, we still love and we pray for them and we want them to get right. We would love for them to come back. But the fact is we're not changing for them. And I think that you as a member ought to be reminded, stay with your pastor. Stand behind him. Separate. If you know that there's someone in your church, you want to help your pastor, you want to help, uh, uh, you want to resolve the problem, I'll tell you how to resolve the problem. Everybody stand with the man of God. And what that person will do, they'll either be ashamed, as the Bible says here, and repent and get right with God, or I'll tell you what will happen. The Lord will move them out. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I'm not going to remove somebody unless they brought a reproach on the church and they refuse to get right. Uh, Then the Bible gives us specific orders. But I'm not going to try to uproot people uh, just because that uh, they're not uh, with the program. But I tell you what I do. Oftentimes I turn them over to God and I say, Dear Lord, this person, I would like to see them get right with you. But Lord, if they're going to hinder the work of God, if they're going to stand in the way, then God, they're in your hands and you're a just God and you do what what you see fit. And Lord, I put them in your hands. I pray that they get right. But if they choose not to, then God, thy will be done. I've seen God many, many times work in that form and fashion. I've seen members get right with God and I've seen God move them out many times. But whatever it is, it's His will. And I can face Him in judgment with that. I encourage you, Pastor, don't you compromise. You stay faithful. I encourage you, members, you side with your man of God. You stand because in in the end, what you're doing, you're not only helping the church be stronger, but you're helping that individual because if they repent then you have helped them. But don't aid them. Don't help them. Don't encourage what they're doing. Don't make them feel justified in their leaving or in the trouble that they've caused by you uh, being friendly to them when they have misused or abused the church. I pray that God will speak to your heart and that you will apply this uh, to your own life. Father, I want to thank you for the Word of God. And I want to thank you for... Uh, I want to thank you for men of God that have labored and have stayed true. I want to thank you for members that have stayed true to the pastor as he has stayed true to the Word. I pray, God, that you'll uh, bless every church. And no doubt there'll be someone, listen, 
uh, Lord, that uh, maybe some pastor listening that's going through a hard time, Lord, I pray that you'll help him. Lord, I pray that there'll be some church members that will uh, hear the message and get fired up about it and say, I'm going to stand with a man of God and, and I'm going to mark that person that causes problems and I'm going to withdraw myself from them and, and I'm going to love them. I'm going to exhort them and pray for them, but I'm not going to be a friend to them as, they're being, as they are turning against the church. I'm going to pray for them that they might be ashamed and might repent and get right with God. I ask you now, Lord, to bless the message, speak to hearts, and may thy will be done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.